You're listening to The Marlowe Podcast. Each week, we bring on experts to help you navigate your career. This week, Paul Millard joined Chelsea's side for a conversation on why work should feel meaningful, how passion is overrated, and the importance of finding your own definition of success. Good. Looks like we're kicked off and ready to go. Hi, I'm Chelsea, and I'm here from Marlowe, and I have with me Paul, who I'll let introduce himself in a moment. Um, as a reminder, at Marlowe, we offer digital coaching to individuals looking to take the lead on their career. And we like to host a variety of different people to talk about topics that we find interesting and we're passionate about. So I'll let Paul introduce himself, and then we'll dive into our topic. Hello, thank you. Uh, excited to uh, chat with you today as a uh, fellow nerd on the uh, future of work. But uh, describing myself, I would say I am mostly curious about how do we enable people to uh, build lives to do things that matter to them. And um, look at that from the organizational lens and also the individual lens and uh, learn through just my own experiments, uh, consulting, coaching, and all sorts of uh, fun. So yeah, let's dive in. Awesome. So we're going to be sharing uh, Paul's website, Think Boundless, as or Boundless, as well as an article that he wrote that inspired this. Um, so check out both of those, and you can dive in with a lot more details. And Paul, one of my favorite things that I heard you say in your bio before we dive into the topic that I'm just curious your perspective on is that you're looking to help organizations be more human. Um, so to kind of give us a little bit more color into you as we dive into this topic, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so it seems like a funny thing, right? Um, organizations are filled with human. They already are human. Um, but what's happened is uh, our organizations have become incredibly complex. And also with the rise of data and information, we have almost... So there was a lot of benefits of that, right? It helped us run our organizations, be more efficient, but we almost tricked ourselves into thinking we could just plan and control everything. Uh, so that has gone to such an extreme, such that people are now kind of in positions, kind of doing the same things over and over again. And it under we're, we're big, my hypothesis is we're under utilizing our human gifts. Uh, which are the emotional labor we put in, the compassion, the, uh, the energy, the excitement, the creativity we have that um, actually do lead to uh, higher performance in organizations and uh, our companies. That's awesome. Thank you. And to that emotional passion and, you know, the creativity behind humans actually working in the workforce today, we're talking about passion and purpose. Yeah. Um, and I'm mostly from the individual side, but if anyone has questions around the organizational side and how you can inspire your team members to have purpose, we'd love to hear those too. So add any questions in the comments. Um, but let's dive right into it. Can you tell me a little bit more? We've talked to kick off the subject around success. Um, so why have we sort of limited ourselves as individuals to this traditional definition of success? Yeah, so I think success is something we almost just don't think about. Um, I actually did, uh, I created a survey on future of work mindsets and looked at people in full-time jobs, uh, freelancers, and one of the consistent things across many of them was that 
uh, people really didn't completely have a definition of success. It was one of the things people scored lowest that they didn't agree that they had a strong definition of success, which guides them. Uh, the funny thing was that uh, full-time workers actually had a better definition of success than uh, freelancers and entrepreneurs. Um, because I think my hypothesis is in organizations, we almost default to kind of what is a, what appears to be success, right? That's getting promoted. It's getting paid more. Um, it's being in positions of power. It's very easy to understand, right? Um, but if we pair that kind of what I've found, what I've talked to people um, with research, I mean, also from uh, a great company called Vega Factor, they found that a lot of these things are actually just going to demotivate you, right? Um, so you have economic incentives, the next bonus, you have emotional pressure, kind of wanting to please people above you and looking good at work. Um, these actually lead to demotivation in work. Um, so we have people that are really just frustrated um, at work. And I think a lot of it comes down to we're just kind of defaulting to these definitions of success. And after our first call about your article, I dove yeah. into a rabbit hole on motivation uh -oh. um, based on something you actually suggested to me. But I, I don't think a lot of people really dive into the academic side of what motivates us. Can you talk a little bit more to that? Yeah. So was it uh, self-determination theory you were diving yes, into? I, I looked into too many of them. There yeah, are multiple so different variations, I think, right? So this, this was uh, the foundations of this goes back to uh, Desi and Ryan. I forget when they originally um, talked about self-determination theory, but it was about intrinsic motivation and very much aligned with what um, Vega Factor found in the research I just mentioned, but also popularized in Dan Pink. Uh, he wrote a book called Drive, which many people have read, but I'm not sure people always connect to the actions in their life. And there's basically three things uh, that, that are going to lead to motivation. Um, one is autonomy, having basically being an agent for your own life. Um, the second is competence, uh, basically knowing what you're doing and also being pushed slightly beyond your limits, but not too far. And then relatedness, which is basically connecting and being able to share or impact others. Um, so having those th three things, they found a lot of them, they're actually interrelated. If you, if you, um, are more connected, it's often going to lead to more autonomy and, uh, those things are going to build off each other. Um, but Dan Pink calls those autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And, uh, really it's, it seems straightforward. I think it should be a fundamental driver in an organization. Um, but we often just have so many initiatives around like engagement in motivation, um, performance that we kind of lose sight. Like this is, this is the core. Like if we can figure these three things out, we can uh, build an amazing organization. Yeah. And as individuals, you mentioned a lot of people have read the book drive, but aren't applying it. Um, I think part of it can feel like a, a hurdle. Oddly enough, one of the values, it's not relatable sometimes. Um, how, when you're coaching people or consulting, how do you recommend they start to connect those words that you mentioned to their actual lives? Yeah. So I think one is, uh, just mastery, right? Uh, we're not actually taught to continually like master and learn in school. We're taught to comply with the rules, complete the assignments and do what's told to us. Right. Uh, 
and to like build mastery or competence, as it's uh, said in the theory, you constantly have to be pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. However, that means making mistakes. Um, organizations don't really do well with mistakes. Uh, so it's hard to balance that, right? Um, you're going to be compromising, maybe looking like a fool, maybe making mistakes, maybe dropping the ball. Um, if you are kind of pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Um, and then second is just the way we hire, right? So recruiters, when they're calling people, will look for people that have done exactly what they're hiring for at another company. All that gets you is somebody that's going to be bored very quickly and um, is also going to lose their motivation at your company just in another year and a half. Um, instead of trying to find someone that um, perhaps may not even have the skills, but has the drive to like want to learn to grow. Love it. So that's the, the potential piece that we're always talking about as recruiters, but as you mentioned, is hard to nail down. Um, as an individual, how would you recommend we are focusing on mastery? Obviously getting comfortable making mistakes, but that's super hard for the organizational reasons you mentioned where companies aren't um, empowering individuals to make mistakes, but even for me as a bit of a perfectionist, yeah. um, I don't want to fail, right? So how do you, how would you recommend I like open my mind to that? Uh, I think perfectionism actually can be a big challenge, right? Um, because you're more worried about being perfect than doing something. Uh, when I work with people, I actually push them to try to do something publicly. And one thing you can do is just write. A lot of people their fear of perfection comes out very quickly. If you say, Hey, just publish something. Um, and people will sit on something for a year before publishing it. Right. Um, but the fact is like, I mean, my crisis at work piece that you found, uh, I published it and, uh, basically had a bunch of people say like, Hey, you made this spelling mistake. You need to fix this. You need to fix this. It's never perfect. Right. Yeah. And, um, I've already gone back and like built on some of the ideas I put put forth in that and have evolved my thinking even further. Um, yeah. You're basically never done. Um, yeah. And we're under the kind of belief that we think everything needs to be ideal. Um, but it's not until you kind of step in that uncertainty and just put stuff out there that um, you're able to kind of grow and push yourself to continually improve. I love it. So mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Um, well, question for you. Go ahead. Uh, so I'm guessing like the first time you did this, like the Facebook lives, it was like extremely uncomfortable, right? <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. Right. Um, and you pushed yourself beyond your comfort zone, potentially too far. Um, mm -hmm. And the downside of this is sometimes it gets too comfortable. And this is when people will stop. If you see people that um, maybe they start a podcast and do six episodes and stop. Um, it's probably because they haven't found a way to continually challenge themselves or to find themselves to grow in it. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely. So um, may maybe you'll have to have like 10 people um, on these. We still had some technical difficulties before. Yes. This, but, we always um, have a few technical difficulties <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, I think, um, for me, the challenge has been different topics that I don't know. And then we're bringing on different team members yeah. as well. There's also a bit of a 
time management challenge, which is interesting. Paul and I first connected, I don't know, months ago. Um, and we're just now getting to talk to you all live. But no, it's a, it's a really good point. That's It's been hard to get more running and maybe because they're starting to be comfortable. So how about you ask me more questions too and we'll see how much you can challenge me in this. What do you think? Sure. Um, I love it. Uh, I'm curious... So you mentioned something just now, and I also have someone uh, messaging this in the comments as well. Mary said she loves it. Challenge yourself, but not too far. Can you talk a bit more about like the not too far piece? How do you know? I don't have a good answer for that. I think um, it's so if you're thinking about goals, right? Sometimes people set goals that are too challenging and you quickly give up um, like, Let's use a analogy of uh, weightlifting or um, fitness here. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, right? Um, if you go a week and you've made like two pounds, like it's so easy to give up, right? Because it, the goal is actually like too far. Yep. Um, and I think some people have a hard time with this, especially because we live in a world in which things look like we should be perfect or figure everything out right away. But a lot of times these things take years. In my uh, podcast, I interviewed um, somebody who's a yoga teacher. Uh, she has an Instagram brand. She does workshops all over the world. She does like travel writing um, and she's doing, she's like killing it. Um, however, um, that wasn't always the case like the first three to four years were just like experiments and she was barely like breaking even. Um, and it was really just continuing to like tweak at the edges, experiment, get feedback. Um, and I think another thing that can help is just have people that are super honest with you. I have uh, some friends that will just say that, that was not good. Um, or like uh, you need to, you should think about improving this. So. Um, yep. some ideas I, I don't know if i have a perfect answer for that but i'm curious yeah. about that kind of want to dig into that more now it's interesting something around trusting your gut um and the reason too we're talking about motivation and, and what motivates us is identifying where what success is to us not just the traditional definition so i wonder if maybe we can apply this not too far to also how do you recognize when you're stuck in a traditional definition of success and it's not really what you're motivated by? So it's like part of that, just your gut feeling and kind of recognizing that something feels off. I mean, a quick test is just asking someone what's your definition of success. And if they don't have an answer, they probably haven't thought about it. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's surprising. Like, I think we need more people in our lives asking these questions of each other. Um, I've always been the weird one, like raising these questions and getting like the glazed over look. It's like, why, why are you even asking? We're just trying to watch a basketball game here. <laughs> um, but I, I think these things do matter, right? Um, because if you actually follow what you value and care about, um, you're going to make different choices for a lot of things. Yep. And let's dive into that piece more. So I, I'm, dying to hear your your definition of, of purpose and passion and really yeah. the, the overall of why we're here today. So, so tell me how they're different. So I'll cite another piece of research here. Um, Dan and Chip Heath, they wrote a bunch of books. Uh, I think The Power of Habit, um, Made to Stick, 
and uh, wrote a book called The Moments. And they highlighted some research from a UC Berkeley professor that looked at 5,000 employees at a company and tried to identify passion and purpose. So I don't have a perfect definition of those. Um, how they defined it was passion is something that excites you or energizes you. For me, like what excites me, like, um, I don't know, good views, going to the beach, like um, wandering around in the sun, hot days. Um, but that's passion, right? It's so hard to like build a life around that. Um, and then purpose is like how, how you connect to others, basically like whatever gifts you have to offer, how you have an impact on others. Um, and that can be pretty, there can be a lot of different specific definitions around that. And the interesting thing they found was low purpose, low passion people were the bottom performers. However, the interesting thing was that uh, people with low purpose, as that they defined it, and high passion were also low performers um, in the 20th percentile of performers. And then they looked at uh, high purpose, low passion people. Um, so maybe you're not super excited, but you can connect your work to something you're doing, right? Um, helping people. Uh, you guys are doing coaching work at, at Marlowe. So maybe it's like, helping uh, a manager be more confident at work, right? So you can connect it to a broader purpose. You may not actually be passionate about how you're doing that work, but it can actually drive you. And then um, I think pretty obvious is that the high purpose, high passion people are um, the highest performers. But I think it's, uh, I don't know, the word passion is like so overdone now. Um, I, I don't think it actually makes sense to uh, pursue passion. Because often what people will find is that as soon as they're trying to like build a business or do something around it, 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 it ruins it for them, right? Um, I actually found this when I first started coaching several years ago. Um, I quickly like wasn't energized by it. If, I, if it was like a monetizable thing, right? Um, I didn't like the pressure of it. It didn't feel right. It was kind of like ruining it for me. Um, so I'd rather that kind of be separate and something that I use to learn and kind of build uh, deeper connections with people. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something I discuss with people a lot. They have a side project or a hobby or, or a passion and it feels like that's what they should be doing. And I wonder it's rooted in, at least for me, growing up in the idea of like, do you love your job and do you love yeah. what you do? And I heard this in high school, mind you, when I was working at like a kid's gym, kind of like Chuck E. Cheese. And I was like, no, I don't love what <laughs> I do. Um, right. So it's, it's hard. How, um, I don't know, how, how do you kind of recommend, how do we reconcile this or find happiness even though we don't necessarily love what we're doing every day? Yeah, so I think it's hard, right? I think um, I think the fundamental nature of how organizations are set up today are conspiring against us. So if you are not feeling motivated or meaning at work, I think you should, one, just not feel guilty for that, right? I don't think everything is set up to enable people to do that. And I think a lot of people writing about this actually lead to a lot of people feeling guilty about it and thinking I need to have this meaning at work. Um, and then uh, there was also research from uh, two professors at the University of Sussex, um, Catherine Bailey and Adrian Madden. And they talked about meaning at work. Like, what does that mean? And 
the number one thing that detract from meaningfulness was poor management, right? Uh, but managers had managers and leaders had nothing to do with building meaning at work. Sure. Uh, so if we look at organizations, though, all of our actions in terms of trying to build meaning, engagement, and purpose at work yep. are initiatives led by who? The managers and leaders, right? Yeah. So it's crazy, right? Um, and then I think second was just um, they actually found that meaning is meaning isn't this like euphoric state where you're like, all right, I love everything, what I'm doing. Like sometimes it doesn't feel great. Sometimes it's very purpose-driven, but um, not energizing. Um, and it's very like poignant and precise moments that bring alive that meaning, but it, they, they don't have to be all the time. Um, Can you give examples of some of those moments? Um, you remember? So, I mean, in the article they wrote, it's a pretty cool article. I don't remember some of the examples um, they wrote, but I mean, I received a text yesterday from somebody that interned for me three years ago. And he, I've been helping him like get different jobs and kind of just stayed connected, stay friends. We update each other. And I had made a connection with somebody in San Fran that I thought he would get along with over two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And little did I know they've been building a relationship. And he texted me like, hey, I'm actually going to go work for this company now. And I'm super pumped. Um, so that was like a super meaningful moment for me. Yeah. But you can't, you can't plan that, right? Yeah. Um, but those moments of meaning, I think, are powerful in terms of like just keeping the cycle going. And I've, uh, I've actually experienced the same thing with like my writing, like all people like you reach out and say like, oh, this totally resonates. Yeah. And one that's like an instant friend because you're, we're aligned <laughs> on all the uh, stuff I'm rambling about. And then two, it's like, okay, this is really cool that somebody would actually find um, uh, something I wrote valuable, right? Yeah. So it's going to keep me doing it. Um, but while I'm writing the article, it's kind of a slog. Like I go into these like six hour, like rabbit holes and it's like super painful and you're not happy with what you're writing. Um, yep. so all the moments don't need to be uh, meaningful. That was yep. kind of my takeaway. No, I love that. I think that's, that's great. And that's something we discuss a lot. You know, people want to love their work, but then I'll say, you know, sometimes you have to do expense reports. <laughs> that's just what you right. have to do. Um, and well, just the maybe they that, should, maybe they should leave the full-time uh, job. <laughs> I know. If, if you talk to Paul long enough, you will be convinced to travel the world and quit your job. So a severe warning. No, I'm kidding. It's great. Um, but I, I did like the expense report example specifically because you have a lot to say around the compensation side too. Um, and I think something that's interesting about it is I at least found doing HR as long as I have that the thing people are least motivated to do are expense reports and yet they right. don't get reimbursed without them. And so it's like that direct, you have direct value you'll receive if you just complete this very boring online form. And there are full companies that have built and become multi-million dollar companies around this, you know, like expense right. fund, just to make it easier for you. And right. yet still there's no motivation to complete it and you get a direct reward afterwards in the form of cash. Um, and there's a lot of other research on this as well, right? 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's maybe that's all the evidence we need that we're not like every, everyone is so convinced they're motivated by money, but I always say like, don't, I don't really care what you say. Let's look at your actions. So maybe that's like the perfect uh, proof that like people aren't really motivated by money. Yeah, definitely. And so you're not motivated by money and you find these meaningful moments, but they're not every day, you know, sometimes every day it can be a slog um how do you start to find your purpose oh geez um i uh i think i think for me like one thing i try to get people to think about is actually not trying to find your purpose uh but first focus on like getting rid of the like energy sucking um environments in your life right um you can't actually do things that are creative um, that you're excited about unless you remove all the like negative energy. Like uh, as working with a client who is saying, I'm just totally burnt out at work and I'm working so many hours and I haven't worked out in months. I, I know I need to like just get up at 5 a.m. and work out. Right. So I can get, it's like, no, that's that's crazy. You need to change your environment such that you're filled with energy and then you're going to naturally want to work out. Right. Um, and I don't think enough people think about context. Um, so what are the, what are a couple actionable things you can do? I think one is uh, reach out to people that inspire you and seem energized. A, ask them what they're doing. B, try to hang out with them. Um, I think two is like, just move to move, especially early in your career, like quit your job and just move. Like you, you don't really have that much risk. Um, we pretend like there's so much risk, but like if, if you're eager, curious and driven, like you can get another job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- I mean, those are a couple things. Um, third, I always help with just start writing. Um, try to make sense of what you think. Um, it'll help gain more clarity and, uh, um, what you're excited about and uh, also just connect you with other people who might share similar ideas and it creates some virtuous cycles. Yeah. I love this. What are some of the most energy draining things people you've talked to have mentioned? Um, great. It all comes back to like self-determination theory. The, one of the biggest um, drains on people is being controlled. Right. Um let me look it up. Look. So here's the lowest scores. Full. So that survey I did, I asked people 27 uh, different statements and l- looked at kind of what are the foundations of like how you're thinking about work, your values, your success, looked at how people create and how people adapt. Um, and the lowest scores for people in full-time workers um, where one, I'm highly energized through my work and how I spend my time. And that's pretty crazy, right? Um, it kind of checks with what I kind of had a hunch yep. of people. Um, two is I get into a flow state to do deep, meaningful work at least once per week, which means we have a lot of interruptions and complexity at work. Um, and three is I have the freedom and autonomy to work on things that matter to me. Right. So a lot of people are in corporations in which they have a lot of tasks, complexity, distractions that don't actually enable them to focus and do work that matters to them. Yep. 
Can, can you talk to the flow state a little bit? Because this is always an interesting topic. Like, what does that exactly mean? Yeah, so it's kind of those moments. It, so it goes back to a book. Um, it was titled Flow. Uh, Mikali uh, something uh, is the most complex uh, last name. It's Shensimali or something. Just totally well, any of that. these books that he's referencing, by the way, we'll put them in the comments after. So don't worry. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, flow state is kind of when you lose yourself. Um, a lot of people can relate to this if they've um, played a sport, right? You're uh, playing a sport and you're like just totally in the zone. You don't even notice like the people watching the game. Um, and in work, we have a hard time doing this, right? Because noise and people walking by our mobile phones actually distract us all the time. Um, so question I get, I ask people to like, think about these moments. They're like, when's the last time you came alive, right? Or when's the last time you just like lost yourself in work? Or like, when's the last time you've gone down a rabbit hole? Um, and I think increasingly, a lot of people haven't experienced this. Um, for some reason, I've always been able to get into a flow state really easily. Um, such that I could always kind of do work very efficiently and fast because I was kind of engrossed in the work. Um, one way I do is like listen to music that can, that can drop me into a flow state really quick. Um, two is like, I can get into a flow state if I'm insanely excited about something. Um, so those are some uh, tricks there. Yeah. Music's one of mine as well. Um, I've also found, you mentioned some people have never done it, and this is not based on research, this is my anecdotal question, but for me at least, until I knew how to do it well, yeah. and I think it was studying in college, like being able to study for 10 hours, like I learned how to study all day, but I did it at first, right? At first I couldn't right. do it, and then I got really good at it. It was like constant food and music. <laughs> Those are my two ways to stay focused. Um, but I had to learn that feeling and I almost have to remind myself of it. Like when even throughout yeah. the day, as I start to get really busy and distracted, I have to remember what it feels like to not be distracted and to be like truly focused. Do you think people can get better at this over time and so that you can kind of train yourself in? Yeah, I am not super, um, th this is outside of my expertise. <laughs> I don't know. I think most stuff's outside of my expertise. I just, um, try to make sense of ideas um, and try to identify bad ideas. But a great book about this is called The Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. And he talks about flow states in uh, high performance athletes and how they kind of tap into that to do extreme things. Um, so I would recommend that book. Um, but yeah, I think, I think one, if you're just calling attention to it, like, okay, that was a flow state next time you'll kind of notice and then you can kind of take observation i was here i wasn't there there was sun there was dark it was different times of day i ate this before even um so i actually do really well when i'm like fasting or uh in the mornings i can just kind of focus um yep but yeah cool. We have jokes in comments around invoices and filling out reports. So clearly that got people liked those notes. Um, so for those of us working in an office environment um, yeah. and thinking we're going to stay in this sort of office environment place, like what are the biggest takeaways you want us to have? What do you, what do you recommend we take away from this talk? Um, 
one you don't have to work so every day you work for an organization that doesn't respect you and treats you poorly like you legitimize that organization um, if we want to make the world a better place leave those organizations um, happy to have a conversation with literally anyone i have no expectations i'm not trying to make money off this i just want to uh, help people uh, not be in uh, jobs that destroy their creativity um, I think two is the way organizations are set up, it kind of numbs us into a false sense of helplessness. And we actually have more freedom than we think. Um, so go try to find opportunities that things you're excited about. One, like stop doing the things that are like destroying you, right? If there's a coworker that's just driving you crazy, try to like not work with them or like ignore meetings or emails, um, something like that. Um, do not try all this. Um, use your own discretion when trying all this. But um, <laughs> I think uh, one thing I did when I was at uh, Boston Consulting Group, I like I had my job, I had my tasks, I had my team, um, but there was like this learning function like over here, and I basically just went and met the person, hit it off with her, and said like, hey, like, I'd love, like, one of my long-term visions is, like, teaching and, like, facilitating, helping people, um, and she's like, oh, somebody just quit, uh, will you help with this uh, deck, right, so I went nuts, like, redeveloping this training, and, like, she's like, oh, my God, this is amazing, I got invited to be part of the faculty to teach, I did, like, three or four trainings, um, and then come full circle, like I'm now working as a freelancer. I actually just got invited by the same person. It's like somebody's might drop out of one of the training programs. And uh, would you be potentially interested in taking over one of the training programs and helping to teach it around the world? Um, so there was no plan other than like, oh, this would be cool to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then those opportunities kind of emerge longer term. And I'm actually helping another client build a consulting skills training program now. Um, so you can kind of like accidentally end up with uh, future opportunities if you just kind of create um, the learning for yourself. I love it. Yeah, the, the serendipitous opportunities. It's always the best. Um, and with you too, you've done so many bold decisions that I think most people might be afraid to do, like just going up, like you mentioned at BCG and saying like, I'm passionate about this. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of push down the voices in your head that tell you to like follow traditional success and, you know, don't make these rash uh, decisions. I don't know if I have those voices. You don't have them at all. <laughs> That's, um, I mean, I think especially early in my career, um, I definitely had the sense of like wanting to prove myself. Um, I, the coolest thing about some of the things I've accomplished is, uh, like seeing, doing things that, um, I don't think my parents had the opportunity to do. Um, and just like success in their eyes, I guess. Um, but I kind of made a deal with myself the first 10 years of my career. I would always say this to myself, like it's, it's always going to be about learning and like being energized, not money. Right. Um, so my first job change, I took a pay cut. Um, I took another pick or I was interviewing for a job after grad school that was like 30 grand less. Um, 
And if my priority was money, I wouldn't even have interviewed. And through the interview, like it was such a good fit that they were like, all right, we're actually just going to pay you more than you're making now. Um, and uh, it, I've extended that to pretty much life. Um, right now, I just try to live a very simple life. I uh, have very low cost of living, not many possessions, and uh, gives me the freedom to kind of do things that matter, devote a lot of time to helping other people and um, being free, which is uh, something I really value. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing that. I have just the first time we talked, like loved your passion for all these, obviously all these nerdy topics. And I'm overly impressed by the amount of books and research papers you can just rattle off on any given <laughs> subject matter I bring to you. Um, but, but more than that, your passion for life is very inspiring. So I hope for anyone watching if that you're, you're definitely going to be as inspired as Paul's I am, but check out Boundless. Um, help host more awesome content there, I'm sure. And if anyone does want to get in touch with you, how do you recommend? Uh, pretty, I usually reply to everyone, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook, uh, pretty easy to find. That's so great. So we'll share, um, I guess we'll share your LinkedIn because I don't know if you've shared a direct, do you have a contact form on your website? Uh, yeah, it's, okay. it's pretty easy to find me. I have a bunch <laughs> of different ways. All right, so find Paul, and if you want more topics like this one, uh, we'll have various other events um, on different topics. We try to bring in people from different industries, backgrounds, points of view, so excited to keep the conversation going. Thanks all, we'll talk soon. Awesome, talk to you later. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To learn more, check out getmarlow.com slash podcast.